What's up and welcome to the next episode of the SBL podcast, Scott and Ian show. Although today, a special treat for you. We are going to play the entire interview that Scott and I did with session legend Guy Pratt. Now, if you don't think you know Guy Pratt, think again. This resume is deep. It's gnarly. Some big names. We're talking about Pink Floyd, right? <laughs> We're talking about Madonna. Somebody called Michael Jackson. It's absolutely crazy. He also played with Toy Matinee. Guy is an amazing bass player, amazing storyteller, comedian. I mean, it was so fun to sit down with him. He has these great stories about being in the room with Michael Jackson, but Michael, like, hiding behind the studio desk. It's outrageous. Also, he does, like, a really hilarious Madonna impression. It was really fun to get to hang with him. We talk about gear. We talk about all these sessions. We had a really, really good time. We put him through his paces with trivia and a string change challenge. I also wondered if Guy might like PB&J better than Beans on Toast. You're going to have to get to the end of the episode to find out. Now, before we get there, let me just tell you the sponsor. Today's episode, you know what it is. It's SBL. It is the best education online for bass in the world, bar none. If you want a handheld trajectory through song-based learning, it's there. If you want perspective from studio pros, it's there. If you want slap deep dives, reading deep dives, applicable theory, groove theory, it is all there. Have you not taken the free 14-day trial yet? What are you doing? Get after it, okay? Hey, it's enough of me. Let's get to Guy Pratt. Pink Floyd, Dave Gilmore, Nick Mason, Roxy Music, Brian Ferry, Gary Moore, Madonna, Michael Jackson, The Smiths, Robert Palmer, Echo in the... I love Echo in the Money Man. Tears for Fears, Banana Rama, Iggy Pop, Tom Jones, Debbie Harry, Whitesnake. I'm here with my friend Ian Martin Allison, Sharon Reynolds behind the camera, and our special guest today is the one and only... <laughs> Guy Pratt, absolute monster bass player. And what we're going to be doing today is just talking about, you know, general sort of like bass geekiness. He's got his incredible oh, jazz Betsy, bass. My beloved Betsy. 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 So we've got Betsy here. We've got the pedal board. And we're also going to be listening to some of the tracks that guys played on, like Madonna and Michael Jackson. And what effects he used. And like, I want to know what studios we were in. We want to know, like, what... So like, do I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, tell us about Betsy first. Like, when did you get this bass? I got Betsy in, uh, it was February 1987, I collected her from the Bass Centre. The Bass Centre now do a fantastic replica bass, which Bass Magazine voted one of the best basses of the 21st century. Um, oh. And yeah, best-selling replica they've ever done. She's John Entwistle's. You know, owning a bass that belonged to John Entwistle is like owning a pair of shoes that belonged to Imelda Marcos, isn't it? I mean, he's just, he basically had all of them. Did he one had point all of the bases, didn't he? And yeah. I think he actually, because the stories they only made, it's 1964, they only made three that colour. Right? They made three whole sets. Yeah, there was a jazz, a precision, a strat, a tenor, yeah. whatever. And apparently he had the whole set. What's, what's the colour called? Uh, Burgundy Mist. Burgundy Mist. <laughs> just point out, like, Ian is a freaking vintage <laughs> jazz nerd. That's like underplaying it. I yeah. dream 
in the fender color wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I see the world and I wonder if how that blue compares to Daphne blue or Lake Placid blue or right I mean I love it's the probably, they're all car color colors wheel. aren't they? Yes. They're all car colors. Yes. It's fantastic. And I was trying cuz I got a um, pick it up pick it up so the guys can sorry, see. Sorry yeah, sorry yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So yes, I bought it from John Entwistle. And um, and she was really quiet and really noisy. And when I, the thing is, when I got the Pink Floyd gig, which was in August that year, I went out to rehearsals. In the world I lived in, people were like, that's quite nice. You know, yeah, I'm thinking of putting new pickups in, or I was thinking of getting a new bridge. You know, you say that. In Pink Floyd, it's like being at an auction. Anything you say happens. Oh, really? You know, I was just like, yeah. I said to Sid, my tech, I've never had my own tech before, you know. I was thinking of maybe getting some new pickups for this, and you know, see how it goes. Next day, there's new pickups in wow. it. And I was like, yeah. and um, I was like, they're EMGs, you can't <laughs> fucking EMGs in a 64 Jazz. It's like, if you didn't ask, are you insane? And it's like, oh, hang on a minute. Whoa. So, and then oh. I, what he didn't tell me, and I didn't know for years, was that it suddenly started to get quieter. And it's because it's active. And yeah, I couldn't yeah. figure out, for years, I couldn't figure out why the tone pot stuck up a little bit. And it's because there's, there's a battery, battery wedged underneath it. And I literally didn't know it had a battery in it for about, for literally six or seven years. Amazing. But that's why it sounds amazing. Because when I first got her, um, it had this, uh, but I think it's got bigger. Check this video out. This oh, is the first time I saw it. Check this out. Like, that's the freaking sound. Uh, that's the sound. Let's blow it up. This was my dream sound. When I was like, yeah, that's, uh, when it's I was my, It's mine, it's mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yours. Oh, yeah. But oh. do you know what's interesting is is that I think it, it's a sound that, that was in my head rather than what... That's what I thought all disco records sounded like. And do you go back and listen to them and they actually don't? They don't no, sound no. A lot of, you know, I mean, <laughs> Bernard does. But, but uh, there's lots of those on record where you listen to it and go, oh, oh, oh you know, like, I should have loved you. It doesn't sound the yeah, way I remember yeah. it. Yeah, that doesn't sound like that. It sounds yeah, almost played yeah. like a pick. This thing is basically, I was doing a disco project, a really good friend of mine, uh, the very, very brilliant James Wilshire, who used to be one of the Freemasons. He now does all these fantastic sample packs. And we were doing this disco project together. And he just said to me once, he said, you know what you do with your right hand? And I said, what, what do you mean? He said, you know how you play, or that, that, that stroking thing you do and everything. So no, he said, I'm going to film it. So and he, he basically filmed, filmed that. that. He said, that was to show me what I do with my right hand. Oh, is and that the story of that yeah, video? Yeah, that's, that's why that video exists. Just so he could chat. I went, oh my God, that really? Oh. I was, it's like, I, it, it was like <laughs> having a bass lesson with myself. <laughs> but it's almost like I mustn't watch it because if I think, if I think about it, then I won't be able to do it. Yeah, 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 of course, <laughs> of course, yeah. I didn't realise that, that, you know, uh, well, I don't know the technical term. Like raking down. Raking, raking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. when you play like one string and then hit another string? Yeah. Was, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. Thing. yeah. When you go down from that D string down to the E string, right, you're raking through. Yeah. There's another, there's a David Gilmore track uh, called Today. And for some reason, that note needs to be dead. Yeah, I don't yeah, know why, yeah, yeah, but it, yeah. do you know what I mean? And, it, and it's a funny thing where it's, uh, there are times when you, 
I don't know when you need it, you know, but, but when you do, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, did you ever, like, was it something that you just started doing randomly? Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Everything is something I started doing randomly because I have this <laughs> thing more and more, especially since I did my videos and everything, and, and I can't remember how I learned to play the bass. I know that really I did young? it all the time. Did you do it really young? I was, I was, I was just about to turn 14, mm. so I wasn't that young. Uh, but I started on the bass, not on the guitar. Yeah, and all and and of course there was no drum machines back then. There was no, you know, it was just me in my room half the time, not even plugged in. And I know I had a thing about I didn't want to learn too many other people's songs because I thought that stopped you getting your own style. Oh. No, it doesn't. It teaches you how to play the <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. bass. <laughs> so, so I don't even know what I played, and I don't, and I didn't practice scale. I know I didn't really practice scales. Yeah. And so I don't know what I did, but all I know is that, you know, and anyone who knew me at the time, whenever I bump into people from school or anything, you know, they just go, man, you just played that bass all the, you know, all day, every all day. Time, That's all yeah, you did. Yeah. You know. And were you put, did you get to the point where you were learning other people's lines? But There's I said, a few videos online where you're just talking about disco bass lines. Yeah, no, that, that's yeah. right. That I did at that point, yeah. And, and you're just, just sort of like... In fact, you know what? It that seems was like thing. you know all the disco bass yeah. lines. Yeah. That I was working in a really brilliant old clothes shop up the top of Portobello Road. Because uh, of course I did. It's, I remember Johnny Marvin <laughs> saying to me, "So, can what do you do before you're a musician?" I said, "Well, I was working in a graphic shop, but then I, you know, I worked in a clothes shop." Went, of course, I did. All musicians work in a clothes shop. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the guys who worked there was my was my original mentor. This guy JC Carroll, still my friend to this day, who who from the members. He wrote Sound of the Suburbs and everything. And he wanted to start this sort of disco side project. And we used to just listen to African music and disco in the shop. And he played "I Should Have Loved You." Right, by Norad and Michael Walden. Yeah. And he just said to me, if you learn to play like that, I'll start a band with you. I thought, all right. So I went home and I did. So good. It is a uh, pick, isn't it? Is it TM yeah, Stevens? It's TM Stevens. But he's got that thing where he can be funky with a pick, whereas I can't. It's such a great track. You play this with your fingers, yeah. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to learn that. <laughs> nah, come on. Too old. <laughs> Oh, I would love to ask you too about some of these effects and how you've used them on tracks. We were talking about the octave pedal. Well, there, yeah, that did become a sort of trademark for a while. And it's, discovering the octave pedal is like, I think, for being a guitarist and discovering delay. Mm. I remember the first, yeah, the first time you play your guitar, you're actually, just like, yeah. why would you ever do anything else? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially, especially I, when, I, when I finally learned the, the Gilmore triplet. You're like, dung, 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 yeah, it's just like, what, why would you ever do anything? Why would you? Which is why the edge doesn't. Yeah. No, no, he's amazing. But it's because um, it just makes it's a completely different instrument. Because uh, you know, you're at the dusty end without, and um, and you know, I, I mean, it's a it's a total nick. I, I, I it's from it's when I after I heard um, Taylor Playhouse sound. Oh, with Pino. Oh, Pino. Yeah. But something like I don't. Like I've been playing with a pick for months. That's why I can't. I've got my finger chops up. But I, but I remember hearing on the radio and just thinking, what is that? What, what is, you've you know, not used an octave until no, that point? No, and, and I, I sounded like a synth. 
Yeah. But I thought, yes. Sarsen, that's a bass, isn't it? Yeah. You can tell by. And I can't remember how I found out. You know, you could, you could, I could, you couldn't Google stuff, really. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Well, you were in, ta- you were living in town, right? I was living in and town, and he was yeah. living in town. So, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, I didn't come across, I didn't meet him for years, but yeah, but I found out. I think it was someone at the base centre probably would have told me. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I used yeah. to hang out at the base centre a lot, Wapping High Street. There was, you know, the idea there was a base shop where you hung out. Yeah, front, you know, it was oh. brilliant. So the first one I had was actually, uh, which is the only one which is uh, OC two. What is yeah. the OC two? It's got to be the OC two, but because uh, I had a pearl one originally, yeah. which had this octave above which wasn't an octave above it was a very thin version of the octave that you were playing but with fuzz on it and that's obviously oh, just because wow. it was <laughs> <laughs> oh it wasn't intentional no it, it was, was just, just a bit it's like, it's like, we'll just say it's an octave above and because uh, yeah, uh, yeah. the octave was designed for guitarists wasn't it? i mean hendrix used it originally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes i don't know if pino was actually the first person i think tony levin might have done it before hmm. him i don't know but it might have been pino i don't want to take anything away from pino because pino very much made it his trademark but yeah so this pearl the funny thing is that this pearl one got nicked and it had some distinguishing feature on it, and it turned up at the base center. Really? <laughs> and I just bought. I didn't know. I just said, "That's mine," but I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Back. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, I bought yeah, it back. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I can't remember. So I can't remember when I got my first OC two. For instance, with um, with Source for the Secrets, uh, there's a I do I do a couple of big bass pad swell things at the beginning mm. of things, uh, and for that I, I would never use that mm. because it's too glitchy. Like I've got a TC sub and up. And then that's got like, yeah, it's got yeah, the yeah. two octaves below that really works. Mm-hmm. And it's so clean. It's so clean and tracks so perfectly that I can't use it as an octave pedal. Wow. Do you know what I mean? I need, I need yeah. the grunts yes. and the dirt. And, yeah. this. and I'm noticing here you have octave two all the way down. Yeah, and then the, you do a nice blend between yeah. dry signal and that octave down sound. You need a little bit of, yeah, you, you basically want your main signal to be that tiny bit louder than the octave, just not much. And it's got to be. It's got to be a um, bridge pickup. I noticed early, but actually you were playing a lot. Yeah, I always, I always, I play two. Pick pick, I'm, I'm a two pickup man for most of the time. But yeah, for that you need to be bridge pickup. Most of my octave pedal stuff was done on my Spectre, Spectre NS2. Mm, that's the yes. best one because you just want all that active top. You know, you yeah. can't have too much top. Yeah. I got into the Spectre because that's what Bernard Edwards played. That's hmm. what he was playing for yeah, when yeah, I met yeah, him. Yeah, yeah on the Rock yeah, Palmer, yeah. he was playing a Spectre. So it's like, well, that's clearly the best bass <laughs> yeah, in the world. Then, yeah. I will sound like him <laughs> if yeah, I get this bass. I love that you still have that Spectre too. And I you know. played it all during all the lockdown sessions. Yeah, and I know. And but the and the, what's I know is, is I've still got pretty much all my old, most of my old bases, yeah. except for my five strings, which I gave back to Rob Green at Status because I suddenly thought, you know, what? I'm not going to play these. Hmm. Uh, that, I don't like things sitting around. Hmm. And I thought maybe you can use them or some charity or something like that. Amazing. Now, of course, they're fashionable again. <laughs> but, um, always happens it, but the funny thing with the spectre is you know i got it out for a lot and i thought well yeah if i'm going to do these, these these videos i should get the original bases out so i got it out and and the action was fucked i haven't played it for years and years and years and i made the mistake of for the first time in my life trying to adjust the truss rod and just the whole thing went bang, and i just ruined it and then i had to get find a tech who could oh, look no. after it but of course then, but i had to drive around leave outside his house oh because in the middle of lockdown he's wiping it down yeah, with you know yeah, lysol wipes and yeah right right <laughs> <laughs> guys can we hear you could we could we play some of that madonna track oh, yeah, yeah which yeah, just yeah, has yeah. some of your like brilliant octave playing oh, okay. in that moment but i, I just want to say one more thing about the spectre the, the things that when i as i got it out and i yes. played it it's like oh my god this bass is gorgeous and it's you know the action on it is fabulous and i plug the octave in it's like there yeah, there it is there it is there's the madonna track there's all that but i still don't have any compulsion to play it today really do you know what i mean to oh, use it on something what? there's just yeah. something about it that is of a time got it it was like a moment in time yeah yeah, yeah. it reminds Whereas you of th- that this era. will always be there this will always be uh. there 
Yeah, there, there are some bases that come and go. And it's a beautiful base. There's nothing wrong with it. And it looks great. It, you know, it's, it's not embarrassing. That's got a pointy head or anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But there's I just something. Know, I saw somebody playing one of them pointy head stocks the other day. And I was like, can I can see them coming. Oh, yeah, down. Yeah, 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 but I never yeah. did. Oh, did you I never, never go did, there? So, you never I, you know, yeah. Do you know um, with that, this track, did you use the Spectre on it? So that was the Spectre, yeah. That was on the Madonna track. What's the story around that? Like, I... There was this thing that you said on your channel, on your YouTube channel, yeah. about like not even. I don't really remember it. Uh, the first thing that Madonna ever said to me was because um, it was Pat Lennon, my dear friend Pat Lennon, who I'd uh, worked with, and he came to see a Floyd show right towards the end of the tour, and it was like we've been on tour for over a year, and I was just in bits, and I had no concept of what a life would be after this tour. What you were just smashed I was because just of smashed just like, yeah. everything, you know, and it's just and living in this absurd bubble, and obviously, yeah. I, you know, once the tour was over, I wasn't going to live there anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. and I just had no conception of a life after and he said hey guy, what are you doing after tours you fancy coming to play on the Madonna records like oh my god it's worth saying <sighs> as well that Madonna was like a smash like she's a superstar she's massive. Massive. but she so was big, yeah. like the most famous woman in the world yes. right. yeah. you know I mean? and like, she was also um, I mean that's a, and she was also changing the, well, you know she changed things like this being this very very serious massive pop artist who was starting to address issues and stuff mm. and you know yeah, yeah, she was the yeah. first kind of like as a, a pop singer who, who got the broadsheet sort of sunday magazine cover story which wasn't a bit of fluff you know yeah, she was yeah, yeah. you know she did a lot and in fact yeah this ended up being very controversial so i thought oh my god that'd be fantastic then he said who do you want to play drums but what wow what? He asked you. yeah like, Pat, i get to pick my drummer wow. on, you know on a so i picked this i'm not gonna say his name but i picked this friend of mine who then blew it out like a week before we were flying to la for wow. another gig i was just like and apparently sort of madonna flipped out at that understandably she's why, why are we getting this asshole he can't even get a drummer so you know and apparently the oh no she flipped out at you yeah, you. yeah well she flipped out at pat yeah. right yeah, yeah and he's going no you got it and then apparently what saved the day bless him was um she went for a walk on Malibu Beach and bumped into Nick Kamen. Of course, she knows she'd written a song for him and everything. And she, and she said, I haven't been dicked about by Do you know this guy? And he went, oh, guy's lovely. He's great. So thank you so much. So, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. It's a, and so the first time I spoke to Madonna was, I was, you know, of course, she's in L.A. in L.A. time. And my phone goes at like four in the morning and I pick it up. Yeah. And this voice goes, I hear you're funny. Make me laugh. Whoa. <laughs> that was the first thing she said. First thing she said to me. I can't remember what I said, but I did. I, I, I guess. Oh. <laughs> but then, so when I turned up for the for the sessions, and uh, everything was done live. You know, it was it was all the tracks. Which, uh, oh, father is one that still gets me, which mm. is an amazing, amazing song. Yeah, yeah. And the tape ran three times. We literally ran through it once with her in the control room you doing do a guide vocal. Did it in LA. It was at Pat Leonard's Johnny Yuma studio, which was just the most fabulous, fabulous studio. It had Amazing, some legendary yeah. Neve desk in it. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you, know, you know, I mean, he just made Warner Brothers half a billion dollars. He could, you know, do what he wanted. And so she'd just stand in the control room. What was that? And there would be two keyboard players, uh, Jay Winding and Pat, uh, uh, Bruce Gage on guitar, Sugarfoot Moffat on drums. And we just all had a chart. And we ran the song through and she sang a guide. And after she sang the guide, she then gave everyone notes. And they were all absolutely right wow they weren't like can you make it more purple they were all yeah. absolutely right. she said guy just duck eggs until i like that thing that phil you did at the end keep that jay leave the bells till the second chorus pat i leave it on the piano you know like bam and wow. she was hearing that as, as she, she sang, sang the guy and she'd sung the guy wow so we went all right let's go for one so we went for one that was it really including the vocal wow. then the oh, the tape ran twice well then they, they then they got in a string section tape ran once for that yeah and one Chester Cayman guitar, slide guitar overdub. 
I went, and that's and that's and that was it. That's it. That's the song. Amazing. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like yes. a like a prayer wasn't done as a, I wasn't there for the band day. I don't think. I don't know why. I have weird fragments of memory of this. It's, what it's year really, was it? It was 89. 89. Because also, because the thing I remember is, I think the band can't have been in there because I must have been messing about, right? I must, when, I, when I did that, I must have been thinking, oh, you know, just for a laugh. Because, you know, say so the thing is, with, with, when you're working with an artist like Madonna back then, at that level of things, you're not really allowed a performance right the song is a vehicle for the artist everything yeah. there serves the artist nothing's about anyone else's personality and i don't mean that in a bad way mm -hmm. it's just it's, the way it was. it's just yeah. it's the way it's because it's what you want you, you know it's not about like oh that's a nice little lick oh that's a great you know it's yeah, just about yeah. it's a machine isn't it it's a yeah. that's why when I, you know because it is when i heard it when i was back in la to start this other project uh with pat toy matinee she heard i was in town she invited me to the mix which I think was at Westlake, or I can't remember which studio it was, or somewhere in the valley. And I went to the studio and she said, come and sit next to me. It was really sweet. I went and sat next to her. And they were just doing the last playback of Like a Prayer. And this was the first time I heard it. It had been done really loud, sitting next to Madonna. And it was like, I mean, because, you know, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing yeah. by any metric. Yes. And I was thinking, that, that bass is insane. I, I was thinking, that bass is amazing. It kind of sounds like me, but it can't be me because it's way above my pay grade. You know, I, I, I don't get to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pino would, would get to do that. I don't get to do that. I'm not that guy yet. And at the end of it, I, I said, Madonna, that is genuinely one of the most amazing things I've ever heard. And that bass is incredible. <laughs> Who played it? And she went, you dummy! <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> these moments yeah and the octaves on right yeah, yeah. that but that that's actually been doubled by mood <laughs> what is it <laughs> <laughs> So it's just basically, it's a slide down on one string, but you jump up one. I went to the Ooh. end. Yeah. To the C. Um, yeah. 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 It's kind of like a key, it's like a keys line, isn't it? It is like a keys line, but it's not keys. And then the next time it goes, or something yeah. like that, yeah. What's interesting, by the way, is one thing I noticed, the one thing I don't do at any point in this is there's no blue fours. There's no... You know, the most obvious thing would would be a... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not yeah, one. There's no one, no. There's no, no there's... there's Why? Never, I Why? don't know. It's like I had a weird thing. I think maybe I forgot them that day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It you, wasn't intentional. You, you, some, no, sometimes you have to... But, and I'm really glad I didn't, because it's yeah, not... Because yeah. it, it can be a bit cheesy. Sure. You know, like and, bluesy, and, kind yeah, of. Yeah, but it's a... You know, and, and, and it's such a go-to, but I'm really glad there aren't any on it. There's a great fill at the end, check it out. Just like the dream, you wanna watch your 
because it was the 80s, I think I'm using unbelievably light strings, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. practically yeah. guitar strings, that, yeah. you know. I think Dean Markley had, used to make me these special gauges. I can't remember what they were. I mean, it was probably like a 90 or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, and, that, and, yeah. And on a Spectre with all the top up. That's oh, why right. you can, that's what you really hear, hear that. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's that one more fill that you, you actually, yeah, in the outro. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What's that? What's that? Where, where was that coming from? Was it were, was it completely? He can't um, remember doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You right. know, but I know what you mean. It's like, what was my playbook? Yeah. I, I got the because the only I'd come off. You remember, I'd come straight off a Pink Floyd tour, and the only and the only thing I got to do, I, I had two songs I played on the octave pedal with that, which was uh, One Slip, I did a bit of, uh, and Sorrow, and that's quite slow. Mm. And on the end bit of that, because David's doing this absolute balls out fucking massive solo so it was kind of i could i could kind of use that as practice time yes because <laughs> yeah, right. no one really cares what i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so, yeah, so whatever octave toolkit i had kind of came from just noodling around while all eyes were on david at the end of sorrow Amazing. <laughs> so it's coming from a kind of rock place that was the thing i really liked about this that 80s thing because i was coming from disco and then being put into all these rock acts so it was you know coming from originally being a kind of punk and then you know just a rock and roll guy then disco then and that whole thing in the early 80s we're kind of uh, if you're a cool kid in west london kind of rock music ceased to exist for a bit mm-hmm. it was just uncool all of it yeah or, you know yeah. everything we were just into african music we were listening to manny the bango and fella cootie and, and reggae and funk and disco that's all we listened to you know and so so that was a really nice interruption in my kind of path to then you know that became my toolkit and then you put that back into a rock context. And that's so, where it came from, yeah. yeah. Like, I've just pulled up Michael Jackson here. Just a, you know, another, another guy you happened to well, play no, with. Well, you know. well, yeah, but that, came, that was a direct result of Like a Prayer. That's what was, it was it? Oh. Yeah, that was, it, was, it was Bill Bottrell who engineered Like a Prayer, was producing this. Because it's got the octave on again, right? Yeah, but that, the funny thing... Yeah, okay, we'll get to that. There's a, because the funny thing is, it's because Michael heard Like a Prayer. Oh, and he, he wanted that sound. Yeah, and he wanted that sound. And yeah, I used to do this in my stand-up show. I said, yeah, Michael Jackson heard it. And he said... <laughs> which apparently translates as I particularly like that bass sound and it'll be appropriate for my next single. So Bill said, Bill Bertrand said, listen, come down and do this Michael Jackson session. He wants, you know, he wants your Like a Prayer group. I'm like, oh, mate, come on. And luckily I was in LA at the time. This was this insane period I had. I was actually doing the Robbie Robertson album and, I, and it was this amazing thing of having to say to Robbie Robertson, Robbie, can I leave early tonight because I've got a Michael Jackson... <laughs> Session. session to do and he just went what am i supposed to say to that yeah 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 did i dip out a little early yeah yeah, yeah. 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 when i turned up and was confronted with this what about sunlight it's like what oh yeah we, what? We, so I, you I, hadn't heard the track no oh, you went right. down the studio you went down the studio okay. and it was, yeah with my octave pedal and come on yes right, yeah. and really? it's like Ring, what and it's like what am i supposed to do? and it's in a flat ah. now rule of thumb Kids, pop pickers, if when you're playing with the octave pedal, rule of thumb is you don't really want to do anything below D. D is your kind of lowest key where you can be comfortable before your, your, your tracking starts getting glitchy. Yeah. Obviously, it's going to track really well today and completely blow me out of the water. <laughs> but this was in A flat, and what I should have done, I should have obviously done. But that's just not going to fly. You know, you've got you got Steve Ferroni. This, yeah, it needs to be. So it's like, well, well, I'll give it a go. You know, I don't like, I don't know, Professor. It's a slim chance, but it just <laughs> might work. <laughs> and it, so it's an A flat. Wow. 
Uh, and then luckily, oh, it goes up to B flat. So, well, that's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throw me a bone. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but uh, obviously, this is actually tracking incredibly well. Because usually, because usually, like, because if you listen to the, someone sent me the isolated bass track, and it's yeah. like, oh, it is glitching. It's glitching like yeah. a. What studio did you do it in? You know, it was, right? Is it West Lake or East Lake? Like one of the lakes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lake. Yeah. It was really weird. It was where Michael used to work all the time, and he'd had it. Yeah, he was so he, he'd had it done so that, like, for instance, the loo had a TV monitor in it and doors at both ends, so that he could see if anyone wanted to come to the bathroom and he could leave through the other way. It was, yeah. really, it was all very like you know. There was the famous story that when I finally turned up, when he was finally because I kept going down the studio. Told the story so many times, but uh, tell us it again, yeah, please. Um, yes. Okay, so it was like, guy, come down the studio. So I rushed down the studio and got there and said, "Sorry, Michael's just left." Well, okay, so I'm, I'm with this thing, I'm, and I came up with basically that line, and uh, and he said, "Okay, I'll play it to Michael and I'll let you know." All right. So next thing I guess, so come down the studio. Michael's here. Great. Get down the studio. Sorry, Michael's just left. I was like, oh, he liked this. And he didn't like that. Like this, none of that. All right. Okay. So I put down some more ideas. Come back tomorrow. Michael will be here. Wow. So go down the studio. Day okay, three. Michael's, day three. Go down there. Michael's just left. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it, and, but there was this really weird, different vibe in the studio, right? There was this, there was this new engineer. I say engineer in inverted yeah. commas, because this was a giant Samoan bloke yeah. who would probably be better suited to being, well, I don't know, bodyguard yes. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And he's down one end of the mixing desk and he won't let me get down there because this is back in the days when you could smoke in studios. I was probably trying to get an ashtray or something. Yes. This guy's like blocking my way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so I start playing and then this guy standing there so he leans down. Yeah, I think Michael will find that appropriate. What? So this guy who has the most tenuous grasp of the English language, yes. an absolutely intrinsic understanding of what Michael Jackson requires from a bass performance. So <laughs> <laughs> hang on a minute. Someone is hiding behind the desk talking to him, telling him what to tell me. Are you yes. in the control room? In the control room. And I think... Michael Jackson is hiding behind this. Unreal. He's telling this guy, and, I, and I'm trying to get Bill's eye, and he's just going, don't look at me, don't look at me. Because there was a thing at the time, Michael was renowned for hiding. He used to just hide. Yeah. So I just went through this whole pantomime. Of, the joke I do in my stand-up job, obviously it's not really true, is I said, so I, I tried to think of what was the most inappropriate thing I could possibly play. So, well, how about if I went, Americans won't get this. Workers' playtime or something. It's an old radio. <laughs> Every Englishman knows it. So, and of course, this. But this guy. I, I, I played something. It wasn't that. But I played something mental, right? And I knew. And this. But this guy still had to go <laughs> and check it out. I don't think Michael would. Have, of course, it isn't. <laughs> so, did you ever meet him? No. So I never met him. No. Yeah. He was in the room. Kind of. But then yeah. I, and I forgot about it because that was 1989. And then he put out an album. I only found out I was on it because someone called me up and said, "Hey, guy, you know you're on the new Michael Jackson album because my name's on it." Crackers. And, uh, and then I heard the track. It's like, oh, yes, yeah, that was oh, amazing. And I'd forgotten. Don't worry, Sharon. I ain't forgetting. Sharon's giving me the eye over there. We have got a question. Uh-oh. We've got a question. Oh, yeah, oh, go yeah. for it. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Is this going to be humiliating? I've got no idea, actually. 
Hey guys, it's me, Justin Hawkins from The Darkness. Oh. Um, my question for you is, um, when you were playing bass on Earth Song, and then it went to that first key change where it went, did you wish it went, and then went, so it kept on going up and up and up until uh, there were no more notes, and then you would have to go down and then just infinite. Do you ever wish it was an infinitely, an infinite song that never ended and always went up a semitone or a tone? What is it? Oh, that's another question. How, what is the increment of that key change? Is it a tone or is it a semitone or is it neither of those things? Sorry for all these key change stuff. I'm just fascinated by it. Nice one. Have a great interview. Cheers. Uh, cheers. <laughs> Justin Hawkins, Justin Hawkins. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good lad. Good lad, good lad yeah, yourself, yeah, yeah. Justin. Excellent. <laughs> yes, I do wish it was a... I, I wish it was like one of those impossible Isha things. There's a thing that happens at the end of Echoes, the Pink Floyd song that like, we currently play with Nick Mason's Source for the Secrets, where the bands do... where It was. It sounds like it, vocals going up infinitely. Yeah. Where you just go, ah... Uh, and the way we it was recorded originally was the band... You stand far back from the mic, you go, ah... Uh, and then walk oh, back. Yeah. And then everyone fades in. So it sounds like it's going up forever, but it isn't. So it's like an Isha type of... So, yes, I would love it if it went up infinitely, but didn't go up infinitely and was like an Isha type uh, illusion like that. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. As I was saying, what would have been really nice would have been if it had gone up to fucking D, at least. Which, is, uh, <laughs> which would have made it easier on the bass. Which would have made it easier on the bass, yeah. exactly, which is actually the lowest, because it starts in A flat and uh, goes up a tone. It goes up to B flat. Excellent questions. Thank you very much. Cheers, and all the very best to you, mate. Justin Hawkins. Justin Hawkins. Justin Hawkins. Oh, great, YouTube, great YouTube channel. Yes. Hey, before we forget about like the, the, the board as well, yeah. what else have you got on the board? Okay. Because you said this is a B board. This is, B, this is my nightclub board. This is not what my board looked like but it has the sort of things that I it's 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 basically for like a, you know to give you a rough approximate it gives me a rough approximation of things obviously it's got a co octave chorus compressor this delay which I think might have been I might have no because I usually do sorry this delay time which is usually set for one of these days obviously but it's actually set for this is the the idea the song that I actually co-wrote on the division bell in in the it's i mean it, it's a rick wright song but i came up with the original idea for it yeah. where which was me literally i was trying to think of because it was just me and rick in the sort of studio room at brit row and i was trying to inspire rick and i was trying to think of a pink floydy thing to do and it was you know because what roger and david both are particularly good at is that thing of using your instruments and using an effect in a way that isn't normal rather you know yeah. yes yeah. and uh, so i had this idea of trying to come up with like a delay pad but with a nose well anyway i came up with this idea that if you swell up with a delay and then hit a chord then you get a bass pad and a set of string mm. chords oh, so okay. yeah, i wrote yeah, this yeah, thing yeah. which is got it yeah yeah so it's like two parts yeah uh. Nice of a stereo. Yeah. And I thought they're very Rick sort of chords, Sarty-esque. So anyway, that's the song wearing the inside out. And I love how you're plucking before, right? Yeah, you're, yeah, you have to yeah, pluck the before yeah, and then to, fade yeah. it in, right? It's a very specific thing you have to do with the I, right hand. Yeah, it's because the funny thing is, in theory, you're not. I'm sure I'm finding a time 
to do. Do you know what I mean? Yes. In, in theory, you just need to be before, but I'm sure I'm doing like a kind of three and a half or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> pedal I got, I think that's for, um, that's for playing with Brian Ferry with Roxy Music. He, he um, it's one of them where, where, uh, Virginia Plain, one of them, I can't remember, is just actually a synth. So I copy it on a synth. Oh, right, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. By the way, it's not that exciting a board. It's like, you know, core fa I mean, phaser, which is just, Actually, one thing with the fate with the source full of secrets. I love that. That's a class. That's where Roger was brilliant. Is for coming up with things oh, that a yes. bass player wouldn't do. You know, using the the sort of instrument, not necessarily just in a technical way. Same way as like the ticking clocks on time. No way. Ticking clocks on that's time what, yeah, the, that's that. the bass. And I had to do it with Floyd. I had to do it in time. I had to watch a giant the screen behind me with this giant cartoon of a spinning clock. And you have to be in time with the clock. The original was on bass. Yeah, the original, if you listen to it, that's what the original is. You are blowing my mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that so a, that, cool. That was the genius of Pink Floyd. It was ideas rather than money and equipment. Yes. Yeah. And, and you had to use the tool that you had. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, so how can we make this happen? One thing I noticed, obviously, I, I went back and listened to loads of Floyd bootlegs. Because for a lot of the earlier stuff that we're doing, especially like Obscure by Clouds period and all that, which is, you know, really one of my, my favourite Floyd period almost, where a lot of the songs were extended and there was jams and they were trying new sections and everything like that. And Roger has this thing, I noticed that he just kicks in the phaser all the time. Really? All the time. It's <laughs> when just, in like, doubt, oh, When did I kick the phaser? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just like, brilliant, I can yeah. kick a phaser in any time I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's become a thing where there's all songs that go, yeah, it's good to do the phaser. In fact, there's a, there's oh, a great, great. The, the song Obscured by Clouds, when we do that, which is a... This is one of those... But you put the phaser on, it's like... And you're right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. 972. Kind of makes the notes. Yeah. And what's on the bigger board? Oh, uh, my bigger board. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> I've actually got pedals. I've even got pace pedals now. I've gone full prog. Oh, have oh, you wow. got the? the uh, I've got a Taurus. I don't use the Taurus. The Taurus. No, yeah, I've got yeah. the. I've got a MIDI board of pedal and and MIDI tour, which is just like a. It's a it's Taurus a small, on a box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, because I've been trying to find. Once you got the pedal, I only got them for echoes. But then it's like now I've got them. I want to find things to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing with old Floyd is that it's really interesting. Roger was very much like a proto hooky. It's all dusty end. And there are sometimes yeah. it's great, sometimes it isn't. For things like Loose for Sam, like he plays at the same octave as a guitar, so obviously I'll be. play it there you can't yeah, play it that yeah. you know it's yeah yeah so there's some things like we do atom heart mother and the funky dung section of that right which is again which is And, and that and I love doing like that and that kind of you have to put it out there but it's like ah that really misses so I hit for for the G yeah I hit the bass pedal and then I was like going bum, bum, and then you start getting it's like no stop it stop it stop it <laughs> <laughs> I'm not turning into the
Gap band. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're on Floyd, yes, I want I want to listen to this. It's uh, it's sorrow. But uh, like you play this really fantastic line in the intro. In the intro, the line in the intro. And I'm like, what was that? So, and just a bit of like love for Gilmore as well at the beginning of this. <sighs> so good. Oh. Think, but, but, yeah, that bit. Do you know what's great is my missus. Her description of the first time she saw him said, What's that song where he's waking the dinosaurs up? It's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> this guy playing the perk, jumping the air. What's that line? What's that line that you play in there? Okay. It's just really annoying is they went back and re-recorded some stuff to sort of update it because David always said there's he said there's so much synth stuff I'm doing on this album which is stuff I do on a guitar. Why didn't I do it on a guitar? Oh, I got it, yeah. And also he wanted to bung Rick on it. And so and he forgot to put me on it because that because the record is just him playing. So it hasn't got that line. No. Oh. So, and it's and and I said I thought I was going to do that. I went oh yeah yeah I forgot. But um because it's that's the one thing where it's not this is one of the few lines you know of my career where. This it's like I didn't play it. David played it, but I own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah, I, yeah. I made that mine from from all the live stuff. Yeah. But yeah, and this, I swear to God, this it just fell out. It just fell out one night. Right. Taking a run up. Well, there's actually so two nice, two ways it? I do it. It's a, Oh, yeah, and there's another a short one which is. And I know you said this, but I have to ask again: when you're using octave pedal, and even back on the NS2 Spectre, were you always bridge pickup? Was yeah. it always on the bridge pickup? Yeah, always on the bridge pickup. How did you get but it that, to but, track? But, How did you get the octave pedal to track so well? Uh, it's because it's bridge pickup. You know, it's the it's the, the the tighter and toppier a signal you're giving the pedal. The better it responds to it. Bass you had problems with that. Oh, I have found oh, the okay. opposite to be true. I oh, found really? When, man, I just can't do it. Whenever I'm playing bridge pickup and playing hard, it's glitching all over the place, and I end up oh. using neck pickup. So it is fascinating. Well, uh, okay. Uh, so, well, do you know what? I, I, okay. You might have found, I might have had it wrong all along. No. Uh, it's no in that you you might be right. I, I'll tell you why I do that. I say it's because of tracking, but when I think about it, it's actually not. I do it. It's because of sound. You like the sound. It's because of sound. Because you, you've got as much bass as you want on here. Right. And it's giving and it, you all that and it bottom. Gives, yeah. yeah. And so, so it's to keep the top signal tight. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you're right. No, I could be completely wrong. Lee Sklar, in fact, told me yeah. exactly what you should do to play an octave pedal. I went, yes. that is absolutely brilliant. And so, of course, I never did it. <laughs> <laughs> what did he tell you? It's, it's, it's just put a bit of gaffer tape. Uh, over the strings by the bridge and that cuts out all the because what's making you glitch and not track is all is overtones and right. harmonics yes and if you deaden down the strings with a bit of gaffer then that stops all the overtones and you're just getting the note and you went right I went, that's so brilliant i'm so never going to do that because that's exactly what i do with all good ideas as i'm told amazing amazing oh and we have another pink floyd track we too. do we do oh. you you pulled this one up didn't you Ian? i mean Guy, this is incredible. When you're doing Run Like Hell, oh, yeah, yeah. and David sings, and then you sing. I sing. Well, I shout, yeah. It is incredible. Spectre again. Yeah. Tune to D. Drop D? What, drop the whole D on the E string. string. No, just Drop D. 
There's this one thing I do here which I really like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, With the bob, kick bob, bob. Yes. You better that, that. make your face up in your favorite disguise. With your button down neck. And you're rolling like that. Ah! <laughs> so much I love fun. it. So much fun. So that was my audition. Hold on. That was your audition? Yeah. Wait. That was the piece. What do you mean that that was your audition? I, well, to, to, I never had to play the bass to audition for Pink Floyd. What? Well, I guess, were they just like, yeah, we know you can play bass. Yes, mate. yes. <laughs> we know you can play bass, but. And also, you know, especially at the time, the way things were, I think, you know, David liked the idea of being as dismissive of their bass player as he could. You can do that. <laughs> Anyone can do that. You know, I think there was an element of that. And yeah. so, and I turned up and I'd completely f***ed up. I'd, I'd, a friend of mine had come around and I'd sat, stayed up really late. And so I was really hungover and underslept. Just like, oh, you, man, you idiot. This is your shot, and you've oh. blown it. You know, this is you spend the rest of your life. And I just sort of turned up there, literally like, sort of like a condemned man with my bow. And I walked into David's houseboat, put the bass out, and I started unzipping it. And he went, No, no, no don't do that. I said, what? I said, I don't, he said, I know you can do that. He said, uh, I just want to see what, because that's all he was really worried about. Oh. He said, I, I want to see if you can sing Running Like Hell. And he just had a recording from his solo tour. And I was like, Really? Yeah. And it was like, Usually, to come in sort of cold and awake and sober in a morning, yeah. and have to do that would be really awkward and embarrassing but the state I was in it was like I had this I had all the angst and the pain <laughs> and the you know and the shame yes. of, yeah, of, yeah, no, yeah. You know, and I went in and, I, and I, I screamed it like fucking Joe Strummer at Glastonbury without a mic <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know, and apparently I was so on it and he says oh, you know and they, you know I, I went off and he and I he said would you come back for you know so I went okay and he just didn't believe it that was the, really? So when I came back, he just said, will you sing that again? And Nick was there. Nick was there. And apparently, and because all I remember is being terrified. They remember me as being this really cocky guy. And I was not. You I was terrified. terrified. Yeah, yeah. And, I'd, and I don't know if it came, if it was just sort of pure defensiveness. And he said, okay, I want you to sing that again. And I said, why? I've already done it. And apparently that's what got me the gig. You're kidding. Yeah, really? David went, what a cocky son of a bitch. He'll do. <laughs> He'll do, yeah. Yeah, because he can do it. He can stand, you know, if, wow. if that's his attitude, he can stand up there and do it. Did it ever, has it ever, like, we've talked about this before, just like that story of you being sort of, like, terrified. We've talked before about having really horrific experiences, like, coming up as a musician, you know, auditioning for bands, all of that, like, yeah... You know, people look at people like yourself and they're like, oh, my, they played with da, 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 da. Is there any stories that come to mind? I'm trying to think, no, like, I've been very, very lucky because I've never really auditioned for anyone. So you didn't ever feel really? like out of your depth, like you were just like, oh. I've always felt out of my depth. <laughs> no, always. I mean, my, I still get, I get terrible imposter syndrome all the time. Really? Do you, yeah? yeah, yeah, still do. It's like, why, you know. My, you know, I go to any pub and there's someone playing the bass. You just think, oh, he's better than me. <laughs> Why do you feel you still get that? I don't know. I, I think, but it, it's a good thing. There's nothing worse than being, well, yeah, I'm that guy. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what course, I mean? Yeah, That's, you, know, you, you must have. Because yeah. also, I think it's very important that you've got to always be a fan. You know, you've, you've got to always still have that kind of air of reverence and wonder because that's got to come out in your playing. I mean, that's what used to get me, you know, playing with Pink Floyd because I went to see The Wall at Earl's Court. I went every night. Wow. First off, just because I used to drink in a pub with the manager of Earl's Court. Nothing to do with the band or, and no music business. Just this guy, the guy who ran yeah. the hall. And he could get you, you know, into the motor show and into the yacht show. 
and fantastic and Pink Floyd and Pink and, Floyd. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and and it was and it was it remains the best gig I've ever seen in my life. I'm still the best thing I've ever seen. And I was wrestling with all sorts of stuff at the time as well. It was, it was 1980, 81, and you couldn't like Pink Floyd. You couldn't be my age and like Pink Floyd in London. Be a cool young musician. I was, you know, I was dressed like one of the Clash, sitting there going, I love this. No, I can't. Wait, no. It <laughs> feels so guilty. So, yeah, exactly. So there was all, you know, I was only a teenager. So, you know, yeah. that stuff still matters. So, so it's, it's really funny that, you know, Younger people won't understand that, that having that cultural problem. And the, yeah. you know, there, there's never been anything like the pre and post punk universe in mm. music. There's never been anything like that. And anyway, so that was the best thing I've ever So I, had, I always had this wonderful thing, and I still get it with the sources. When I used to look down at the audience, and Ron thinking, yeah, I'll be great, I'd just be looking at these guys going, I know, I know, I know, it's the Mexicans here, I know, you know, I was you, I know. And I, I still love that with an audience. I think it's really, you've always got to rem you know, re remember what it's like to be in the audience and try and make it like that for people. I like this idea of an imposter syndrome making you actually a thinking human, like, a, like an actual working, living, you know, not a sociopath, right? You, you have to have a little bit of yeah, imposter no, syndrome not to be insane. Yeah, but you know, Gary Kemp, who's somebody, you know, this is the guy, he's written, you know, the songs that the two songs, you know, he wrote the My Way of his generation. And, he's written, and he said he's still waiting for the tap on the shoulder. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 You're yeah. not the yeah, guy I'm we sorry, were. Yeah, yeah right, sorry, right. Just come this way. So. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's your overall and there's the card start working on. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Dude, tell us about your podcast before, before we do anything else. Before we do anything else. Okay, so, um, yeah, the, so being in Source Full of Secrets, right, which I must say is the most fun thing I've ever done. It really is because it's, it's Pink Floyd as a pop group. Yeah. You know, before it's this vast, important edifice, and it's yeah. and so we're just guys having fun, mm. and we talk to the audience, which you know we mess about, and, and it's also you know the music is taken incredibly seriously, and it's really nice for for you know it's a great thing for an audience because just to have to to see what Pink Floyd was at you before. know before all that, yeah. and it's the same yeah. thing. I look at, I look at Nick behind me playing the drums, and I see that kid on stage at the UFO club. Yeah, and that yeah, takes yeah. me back to the kid on stage at the Hope and Anchor and Gary's, it takes him back to the Blitz and it, you know, and it yeah, takes yeah, you yeah. all back. It's a really lovely thing. But anyway, we all sit on the bus talking on the first European tour we did, I brought a box set of uh, the old Grey Whistle Test DVDs. Yeah. And so we just used, to, and it was just fantastic. We're saying, because the best thing after playing music is talking about music. We all yeah. love talking about music. Yes. Like, you know, yeah. I, frankly, I don't care if I never hear any music ever again. If I can talk about <laughs> can it. Talk about it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like pedals. Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. care what it sounds like. Let's just talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so we just used, and what was great so we'd all talk about you know these bands that we were fans of when we were kids and of course Nick would usually know them or have met them or something and it became a thing that we'd spend all day talking, and we were having such fun and Gary and I just had this thing why don't we're always looking for things to do together why don't we try a podcast why don't we see so we'll try with a few mates and so Nick yeah. Mason was the first yeah and then Phil Manzanera because he's not we asked various friends and it's and we suddenly realized that that people love talking to us because yeah. Because we are musicians, because it is like sitting around the pub or, you know, that, that thing of sitting around talking. Which So we have this thing, it's called The Rock on Tours, and it's, and it's the number one podcast most weeks. It, it's massive. Yes. It's massive, isn't it? Yeah. It, yeah Were you expecting that? No. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And we thought, dude, we've done like nearly 90 of them now. Amazing. Wow. And people keep wanting to talk to them. And people love. And, and like, so the th great thing is, no matter how well you know the artist, we always find something we've never heard. With Nick Mason, I get stuff I never knew. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, it's so. And we've had two big scoops. Two, we had one story that got onto the front page of the Times and in the Guardian. Oh, amazing. Which was when Bob Harris told us that Nixon asked Elvis to spy on John Lennon. <gasps> oh, wow. 
<laughs> that is a scoop. <laughs> that is a wow. scoop. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> so you can find it on iTunes, right? You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, on everywhere, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it's on everywhere. It's got a website. Go to rockontours.com. Oh, and you find them all. And we're about to start a new season. We've got some great people coming up. Uh, yeah, it's it's such good fun. Ladies and gents, Mr. Guy Pratt. Yeah. Uh, obviously yeah. joined by Ian Allison and Sharon Reynolds over there. Thank you so much. And if you want more stuff like this, let us know in the comments who you want as next up on the show and we will make it happen for you. Take it easy. See you in a bit.